Genesis chapter 44, we are going to do a brief recap of what we've been through, uh, and then we're going to move on. I tell you, this is my favorite passage of Scripture. Did I ever tell you that before? <sighs> but specifically, this, this, this section here, chapter 44, 45. But there's been seven years of abundance in the land, and now in our story, it's during the follow, following years of seven years of just total famine in the land. And Joseph, the one who'd been thrown in the pit 20 years before, has been made second in charge of all of Egypt. And people are coming from all around to buy grain from Joseph. And it just so happens that his 10 brothers from Canaan, a little north of there in Israel, what would become Israel, they have come down to buy grain from Joseph. Joseph recognizes them. They do not recognize him. The same brothers that threw him into the pit 20 years later. What would you do in that circumstance? people who have wronged you, people who have thrown you in a pit, left you for despair in so many years, what would you do? I mean, I ask myself that question a lot. Although they saw Joseph, they did not recognize him. Same with Jesus, as we remember John chapter 1. He came to his own, but his own saw him not. They did not recognize him. And Joseph recognized them, but he spoke through an interpreter. He's speaking Egyptian. And Joseph, directed by the Lord, now he's testing his brothers to see if their hearts had really changed, to see if there had been a change of heart. And so it says in chapter 42 that Joseph spoke roughly to them. And he put them in captivity for three days, saying that they were spies. How would you like that? You go to this foreign land, there's this leader, and somehow he takes interest in you, and he speaks roughly to you, thinks that you're spies. You're trying to declare your innocence. He throws you in prison for three days. Well, it was while these guys were in, these ten brothers were in this holding tank for three days, that they began to think about the sin that they had suppressed. And it's through circumstances, many circumstances, that the Lord does the same in our hearts. When difficult times come, when we are faced with trials and tribulations, that our, our hearts often go, why are we in this mess? What's going on? When everything is cool, boy, I tell you what, I, 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 it's very easy for me to forget about God. Yes, I can go, hey, praise you, Lord, but it's praise you and I'm on my way. But when I'm hurting, when there's people around me who are hurting, when there are circumstances that I can't escape, like the clouds overhead that don't leave ever for some reason during this time of year, I'm forced to go to my God. And the Lord is using that situation in this captivity for these three days in the lives of these brothers to bring up these things. And it says in chapter 42, verse 18 through 21, it says, On the third day, Joseph said to them, Do this and you will live. On the third day, very interesting. Do this and you will live, for I fear God. If you are honest men like you say you are, let one of your brothers stay here in prison while the rest of you go and take grain back for your starving households. But you must bring your youngest brother to me so that your words may be verified that you may not die. Joseph knew what was going on, but he wanted to see if they had killed that younger brother, Benjamin, who was favored by their father. Bring him back, and I'm going to hold one of, your, one of you guys while you go do it. Don't come back without him. And they said to one another, verse 21 of that chapter 42, it says, Surely we are being punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life, but we would not listen. And that's why this distress has come on us. 
it's interesting when we're in difficult times, we immediately go to our failures, our faults, our sins. What, what, what have we done to deserve this? And in this case, God is actually wanting to zero in on that. There's a lot of, now check this out. There's a lot of surface things that are happening, but you'll, as, as we'll kind of develop here, there's actually different layers. And the Lord's actually dealing with something deeper. He's dealing with something deeper. And so keep that in mind as we go on. But this is often how the Lord works in our lives, through circumstances. Circumstances that cause us to be circumspect and begin to search our hearts and say, why am I in this mess, right? Sometimes the Lord's trying to get our attention. And it is to ultimately reveal His grace and His goodness to us. It doesn't feel like it, does it? But ultimately, He wants to bring a blessing in our lives to give us his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, his provision, his love. And so Joseph, he held Simeon, and the rest went back home. But they got hungry, and they couldn't come back unless they had that younger brother, right? And Jacob wouldn't have it at first. I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Jacob, their father, wouldn't have it at first. I'm not sending Benjamin back, no way. But Judah told his dad, he said, listen, I'll take his place. If anything happens to him, Benjamin, the youngest, let it be a curse to me basically my whole life. I'll die in his place. That's the heart, what he said to his dad. And so they went back. Joseph, uh, Jacob finally said, okay. They went back with Joseph's full brother, Benjamin. With the silver they had been put in their sacks and double the money, and they came and they bowed down before Joseph. And Joseph, when he saw his brother, he had to leave the room because he was overwhelmed. Overwhelmed at seeing his brother his full brother. He had to leave and he cried. And then he came back and he invited him to lunch. I want you guys to come to my house. And it says in chapter 43, verse 18, now the men were frightened when they were taken into the house and because they, they thought, hey, we were brought here because of the silver that was put in our sacks the first time. See, Joseph never kept the silver. He had his servant put it back in. He wants to attack us and overpower us and seize us and, as slaves and take our donkeys. But what happened in reality Joseph fed them. Joseph gave food for their donkeys. We talked about this last week. This is so much like the Lord with us, you know. Sometimes we believe that God's going to smite us if we go to his house, if we go to his presence or around his people. We're going to get crushed, you know. But actually, he wants to bless us. But notice, the blessings are happening, but it's his kindness that is leading these guys to repentance. Yes, the word is, is cutting. Joseph is speaking harshly, but he's also creating circumstances that draw them close. And that's not how the Lord Jesus speaks to us. He does not, he calls sin, sin. And somehow the church has got this idea that we can just omit sin and it's just Jesus is love. Yes, he is love, but he is also truth. He did not come to, to, to condemn. The Holy Spirit convicts. Condemnation is saying you will never be saved. No, it's saying repent. That's the very first thing he said when he got on the scene. Repent. And what is the church's message to the world around us? Repent. Why is that the message to the world around us? Because it was the message to, to me. Turn from who I think I should be and all these types of things to who God says and receive his forgiveness, his mercy, and his grace, and his love, and his empowering, and his blessings. 
Now, do we have to clean up before we do that? Were these guys cleaned up before they received blessing? No, they're punks. And, you know, I love it how they, you know, a lot of people, they, they diss the church. And I understand rightly so many times ago, the church is full of hypocrites. I'm like, where else are they supposed to go? I mean, look, come on in. You know, let the Lord clean you up and bless you. We need to, we need to be, how else are we going to grow? Lord, I want sinners to fill the room. People who are messed up with difficult circumstances and let God's grace through this body minister to them and free them from the darkness. And does it happen overnight? To some, yes, God, is a, it's a miraculous de- deliverance. Sometimes it takes years. We all have different stories of how the Lord has got a hold of our hearts and not only been saved, but sanctified. Sanctified, that Christian word of being made like Jesus. That is a lifelong process. I love that. When we adopt someone, they are now in our kingdom, but it's a lifetime of them mimicking us, so to speak, to become like us and to take, our, have, take on our values, not who they were. Does that make sense? And the Lord has brought us into his kingdom. And we're having a lifetime of learning what that is like. And I love that grace that God pours out on us. But these men were frightened, but actually God meant it for good. And it was during this time of feasting that Joseph, he began to test his brothers by giving the youngest brother, Benjamin, five times as much food as everyone else. Okay, any uh, brothers have younger brothers in the room? You know what I mean? Younger brothers in your family? How does that work out? Like when you have or younger sisters, whatever it might be, you know, the oldest has a normal amount, everybody has a normal amount, and the youngest has five times as much. How does that work out in your heart? Oh, we're all like, mm, that's, that you're going to, not we're going to take that, we're also going to pay for it, right? I mean, not, not all families, I know some of you are, are really good people, but I'll tell you what, there could be some com- com- competitiveness there, I would say, some jealousy going on. So Joseph, he, on purpose, purposefully is the correct word, puts it five times as much on his plate. Why did he do that? He wanted to see what was in the brothers' hearts. What were they going to do with this youngest, Joseph's full brother, the beloved of the father? What were they going to do to him? Had they really changed or not? But I love, at the end of chapter 43, it says, when the portions were served, this is verse 34, to them Joseph's ta- at Joseph's table. Benjamin's portion was five times as much as, any- as anyone else's, and so they feasted and drank freely with him. There wasn't any of that going on. They just feasted and drank freely with him. There was no jealousy. They just enjoyed. But Joseph was going to con- continue to test the brothers further. And listen to this, chapter 44, verse 1. Now Joseph gave these instructions to the steward of the house. Hey, Fill the men's sacks with as much food as they can carry and put each man's silver in the mouth of the sack. Notice, Joseph never took their money. Just like the Lord, it might seem that we give to the Lord, but he always finds a way to give it back. And not only give it back, but to overflowing. I love that about the Lord. But the brothers were overflowing from provisions with Joseph. And so Joseph, he gives them instructions. Hey, fill the sacks with as much food as they can carry. Verse 2, then put my cup, the silver one, in the mouth of the youngest one's sack. 
along with the silver for his grain. Hey, put my personal cup in Benjamin's sack. And he did as Joseph said, his servant did. And as morning dawned, verse 3, the men were sent on their way with their donkeys. They had not gone far from the city when Joseph said to his steward, Now go after those men at once. And when you catch up with them, say to them, Why have you repaid good with evil? Keep that in mind. Isn't this the cup of my master, that my master drinks from and also uses for divination? This is a wicked thing you have done. And when he caught up with them, he repeated these words to them. But they said to him, Why does my Lord say such, such things? Far be it from your servant to do anything like that. We even brought back to you from the land of Canaan the silver we found inside the mounts of our sacks. So why would we steal silver or gold from your master's house? If any of your servants is found to have it, he will die, and the rest of us will become my Lord's slaves. They were so confident that they did not, they were not guilty of this. That's what they had said. Whoever has it, let him die. And Joseph tells his servants, so tells them to catch up with them, and he says that particular particular phrase. Why have you repaid good for evil? All right, repaid a, yeah, good for evil. Good with evil, sorry. Keep that in mind as we go forward. But they said, why would you say that? We've gone out of our way to prove our integrity. If, you, if any of you have found this in our, in our if we found it anywhere, if we are, have any stain on us, hey, that person's going to die and we'll become slaves. Very well then. Verse 10, he said, Let it be as you say, whoever is found to have it will become my slave, and the rest of you will be free from blame. Notice the servant only accepted the terms of the guilty becoming the slave, and the rest go free. Why would he do this? There's a lot there. But just from the surface, the surface of this, we see who's going to have the cup. Benjamin. He will be made the slave, and the rest can go free. It gives them the exact scenario that happened 20 years older. Joseph would be the slave, they went free. Let's see what happens. This is important. Verse 11, And each of them quickly lowered his sack to the ground and opened it. And then the steward proceeded to search, beginning with the oldest and ending with the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack, and at this they tore their clothes. Then they all loaded their donkeys and returned to the city. The cup was with Benjamin, the youngest, their, their father's favorite. And the reaction tells a lot about their hearts. They tore their clothes. That's a way of saying we're undone. In verse 14, it says, Joseph was still in the house when Judah and his brothers came in, and they threw themselves to the ground before him. And this is total submission, all out. Oh, gosh, have mercy on us. Verse 15, Joseph said to them, What is this you have done? Don't you know that a man like me can find things out by divination? And this is where the commentators go crazy. We don't know. And so basically, was he a diviner? He very much could have been. You know, but the idea was that, you know, like reading tea leaves, having a cup, trying to tell the will of the gods through these things. But the idea here, regardless, Joseph is still disguising himself as an Egyptian, he's playing the part. And he's using their terminology. Don't you know I'm, I'm, I'm a man that can find out things by divination? Look at my authority. Look at my power. Look, I can find these things. Don't you know that God told me who you really are? 
Don't you know that you cannot hide? And that's the point. And now Judah replies, the very one whose idea it was to sell Joseph into slavery 20 years later. Verse 16, what can we say to my Lord? Judah replied, what can we say? How can we prove our innocence? God has uncovered your servant's guilt. We are now my Lord's slaves. We ourselves and the one who is found to have the cup. Very powerful. Judah doesn't make any excuses before Joseph. He says we're guilty. Now, was Judah speaking about the cup of, in Benjamin's sack? No, he wasn't. There was something else going on in his heart. He was speaking about the sin that he and his brothers had had been hiding all along. That they sold their father's favorite son into slavery. He'd been eating at them for years. They'd suppressed it, kept it quiet. That was why they were so certain that none of them had done this. They had this pact going on. I'm positive. There's so much subtle dialogue here. It's hidden dialogue, but words that are said in certain contexts that are actually referring to root issues, it's subtle, but it's beautiful. Jesus spoke like this constantly. He spoke in parables. Jesus spoke of farmers and seed when in reality he was referring to the kingdom of God. He spoke of bread and wine when in reality he spoke of his body and his blood. Jesus would talk about surface issues, but he was really talking about heart and kingdom principles. Joseph was similar in his approach to bring delight to his brothers. They were talking about integrity as far as their trading with him, but what was the real issue? You have no integrity. You know what you did. And you've tried to hide it. He could have continued to argue. Judah could have made excuses, but he didn't, did he? We're guilty. We're guilty. He could have argued about how good they had been lately and all the things they had done, but in the end, they knew who they were. They were guilty. And they were sinners. The same is with us. The Lord has a way of allowing circumstances to develop that help us see our need for salvation. It really isn't the drugs. It really isn't the immorality. It really isn't the relationships. It really isn't the lying. Those are symptoms. And we like to say, oh, they've got a disease or this is what's going on. Jesus said, out of the heart, these things flow. We've got a heart problem. And it's terminal. And it's in every one of us. And unless that heart of stone is replaced with the heart of flesh by the grace of God through the cross of Calvary, we remain under the wrath of God. And that is not what Joseph desired for his brothers, and that is not what Jesus desires for us. The Father sent him to accomplish the mercy of God the first time. What can we say, Judah replied? What can we say? How can we prove our innocence? God has uncovered your servant's guilt. We are now slaves. We ourselves and the one who, who's, who found to have the cup 
The conviction of the Holy Spirit in the life of the sinner is the most beautiful thing. I love it. Now notice how Joseph responds. But Joseph said, far be it for me to do such a thing. Only the man who was found to have the cup will become my slave. The rest of you go back to your father in peace. And this is the final test. This is the final test for the brothers. Why don't you lighten up? Why don't you just back off? They're already saying we're your slaves. You got them. Now there's one more thing I need to I need to reveal. Now Joseph is figuring these things out, guided by the hand of God. God already knows these things about us and is guiding these things in our lives. The final test. What will you guys do? Will you abandon ben- Benjamin like you abandoned me? Have you really changed? Verse 18. Then Judah went up to him and said, Pardon your, pardon your servant, my Lord. Let me speak a word to my Lord. Do not be angry with your servant, though you are equal to Pharaoh himself. My Lord asked his servant, Do you have a father or a brother? And we answered, We have an aged father, and there is a young son born to him in his old age. His brother is dead, and he is the only one of his mother's sons left, and his father loves him. And then you said to your servant, Bring him down so I can see for myself. And we said to my Lord, The boy can't leave the father unless he, if he leaves him, the father will die. But you told your servants, Unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you will not see my face again. There's a lot there. When we went back to your servant, my father, we told him what my Lord had said. And then our father said, Go back and buy a little more food. We're getting hungry. Simeon's in jail, but you've got to go back and get it. But we said, verse 26, we cannot go down. Only if our youngest brother is still with us will we go. We cannot see the man's face unless our young bro- younger brother was with us. Your servant, my father, said to us, you know that my wife bore me two sons. One of them went away from me, and I said, he has surely been torn to pieces, and I have not seen him since. If you take this one for me too and harm comes to him, you will bring my gray head down to the grave in misery. And so now, if the boy is not with us, when I go back to your servant, my father, and if my father, whose life is closely bound up with the boy's life, see that the boy isn't there, he's going to die. The father's life is bound up in the son's. That's interesting. Your servant will bring the gray head of your father down to the grave in sorrow. Verse 32, your servant guaranteed the boy's safety to my father. I said, if I do not bring him back to you, I will bear the blame before you, my father, all my life. Now then, please let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy. And let the boy return with his brothers. How can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? No. Do not let me see the misery that would come to my father. Judah, who slaughtered an entire city with his brother and brought shame upon his father, who sold his father's beloved son Joseph into slavery and lied to his father about it for years, is now a changed man. Judah, and this is really important, Judah is no longer concerned about his own will. But whose will is he concerned about? Whose will? The Father. The Father. Even to the place where he's willing to become a substitute 
for his younger brother and spend the rest of his life as a slave that his brother might go free. Who's that a picture of? That's Jesus. You see Jesus here? You see it a thousand years before Christ on the earth this was written speaking of the love of Jesus what he would do for each of us not my will but thy will be done Father chapter 45 my favorite chapter then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants and he cried have everyone leave my presence so there was no one with Joseph and he made himself known to his brothers and he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. And then verse 4. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. This is the heart of God to draw us close into his kingdom, into his presence, into his protection, into his provision. But it's sin that keeps us out. But God has made provision for our sin. And it is totally, thoroughly enough. Look at Judah. Slaughtered a whole city. Threw his brother in a pit. Yet finds grace. The grace of God is revealed through Jesus Christ. You know, I love it. One has gone before us and has made a great way of deliverance. Jesus Christ, God's Son. He went before us. He knew. The grace of God revealed through Jesus Christ. Jesus brings freedom. Freedom from the weight of our sin. And as we talked about this morning, come down, let us settle the matter. Let us reason together. Though your sins were scarlet, they'll be as white as snow. You know, it's often a terrifying experience to be exposed for who we really are before an all-powerful God. Wouldn't you say it's... That's true. Those brothers were terrified at Joseph's presence. They were terrified. They were undone. They were speechless. They could not say a thing. And this is what happens when sinful men are face to face with Jesus Christ. We become undone. We're speechless. We're exposed for who we are. We see that in the Old Testament over and over again. People fall down, they're just undone. But Jesus desires to cleanse and to heal and to restore. I love that about the Lord. Like Joseph, he says, come close to me. Come here. Right where you are, all messed up, Judah. Come here. Does he say what we're doing is okay? No. But he's made provision for our sin. And it's his kindness and his love that leads us to repentance. And as we draw closer to him,
He cleans up all the stuff. I love that. He changes our hearts and our minds about him. I look at the disciples. Think of the sons of thunder. I love John. Call down fire on him, Lord! From the sons of thunder to the disciple whom Jesus loved. And you see, he talked about the love of God more than anything at the end of his ministry. Changed man, no longer desiring to call down fire. Did he talk about purity? Did he talk about running away from sin and all those things? Absolutely. But it was so that they would experience the love of God. Come close. Listen to the heart of Joseph. In closing here, verse 4. I'm sorry, mid-second here. Yeah. It says, when, when they had done so, he said, he said, come close. And when they had done so, he said, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. He didn't tell them anything else. He told them exactly what went on. And then he says, and now, do not be distressed. And do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Joseph, he comforts the very brothers that did that to him. Don't be distressed. Don't be angry with yourselves. Why? Because God was in it. God was he's sovereign. He was guiding. He was leading. I take great comfort in the sovereignty of God. I love that. That even in my sin, God's plan still goes forward and he still desires to bless me. Isn't that awesome? I love that. Now, this doesn't mean we willfully sin, right? Paul talks about that in Romans. Should we sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. We don't spit in the face of God. But in the midst of our sin, we have that love that overflows. But it's a comfort to know that even in my, with my many sins, that God is still pursuing me and has a plan to deliver me and you. And Joseph says, don't beat yourself up. God has plans for, for me to save lives. That's what this was all about. In verse 6, it says, for two years now, there's been a famine in the land. He starts to let them know on what's going on, the plan. I love that. The Lord brings us into his, he cleans us up, he forgives our, our sin, and then he, lets, he fills us in on the plan. Hey, for two years now, there's been famine in the land, and for the next five years, there's going to be no plowing, no reaping, but God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth to save your lives by a great deliverance. God's plan involves you, brothers and sisters, who have been redeemed to preserve you, to make you a remnant on the earth, to save your lives by a great deliverance. What grace. If you were Joseph in that situation, and you were basing it on what they've done to, you know, you know, revenge type of motives, just operating in the flesh, you would have them destroyed. But Joseph was not operating in his own self-interest. He saw his life, even the difficulties, church, even the difficulties as being directed by God. Even those things being directed by God because it was. And now, this is the way we should see life as well. God is at work in every opportunity in our ups and downs. 
God sent me ahead of you to preserve you for a remnant on the earth and to save your lives by this great deliverance. And obviously this is a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ who went ahead, the forerunner of our faith, and saved us. Verse 8, in closing here, I know I said that twice, but here we go. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made, a, he made me a father to Pharaoh, lord of this, this entire household and ruler over Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me, you and your children, your grandchildren, your flocks and your herds, and all you have, and I will provide for you there. Jesus says, I will provide for you. He saves people to go save people. Do you see that, church? The church exists to go spread the message. Go home. Go tell your parents. Bring their, get everybody. Bring them in. I will provide for you here, Jesus says. Because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. You can see for yourselves, and so carry my brother Benjamin. Uh, so I'm sorry, and so can my brother Benjamin, that it is really I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about the honor accorded me in Egypt and all about everything you've seen and bring my father down here quickly. The salvation that he was offering was for all. The salvation that we offer is for everyone. Come. Come to Jesus. But if you don't, you become destitute. You'll die. So it is with salvation. Jesus offers. It's for all who would come and drink. Jesus said, when I am lifted up, he said, I will draw all people to myself. And that's what he desires to do through us, to draw all people to him. Salvation is for all, but we must act upon it to be received. The world is in a perpetual famine and it's getting worse. And their souls are starving, and it's the church's job to point people to Jesus. We must act and respond in our faith. We must choose to lift up our hands and sing to God. We choose to do that. We choose to give. We choose to respond in worship and, and to go tell people. We choose to open our mouths. We choose to obey. These are things we choose to do in response to what the Lord is. They are not works that save. They are because we're saved and because we receive the grace that we choose to go. And whatever excuse is going on in your mind, repent. How many of you like that one? <laughs> I don't. No excuses. You've been bought. You're now Jesus's, and he calls the shots, and they are loving shots, and they are for a blessing. The reason why Jesus stored up the grain was so that the multitudes could come around and be blessed. He's given you salt. He's given you light. Do not put it, and this is what Matthew 5 talks about. Now go spread it. Go shine. And by the way, you will be persecuted. A little added promise to that. But we do it in love like Joseph. Yes, we speak the truth, but we love with our actions, right? That's who we are. And then, verse 14, and we're going to end here. I know it. Got two minutes. Yeah. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept. And Benjamin embraced him weeping. 
And then he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. And afterwards, his brothers talked with them. How cool is that? It is the Father's heart that the world be restored to him through his Son. Perhaps this morning you are weighed down from sins from 20 years ago or two hours ago. Whatever it might be that's contrary to the life in God. Perhaps you're worried about being exposed for what you did or who you are or what you think about something. Jesus already knows it. He already knows it, just like Joseph. He already knows what you did, why you do what you do. He sees the whole thing. You're not fooling anyone. You're not fooling the Lord, that is. And Jesus desires to save. And if you're a sheep that's run away, know that Jesus, he just comes after you. He picks you up and puts you on his shoulder and he brings you back and celebrates. He loves you. We're saved by grace through faith, not of works. We're sustained by his grace through faith, not of works. So all this morning, Jesus is, is saying to us, just come to me, draw close, come to me. And when we come close to him, he's going to talk to us and clean us up. And then we take that message and we go to others. And that is what it's about. The church is here to go. Jesus didn't say sit. Jesus said go. Yes, we sit at his presence, but we go. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this story. We thank you for that is real with real people that are alive and in your presence this moment by your grace. We thank you that you are working the work in your church that is so deep and so profound, Lord. We thank you for that. We thank you that we're a part of the calling, Lord. We thank you that we're a part of the redeemed. We thank you that you've brought us in. You've shown us your, <laughs> your mercy, your goodness. You've fed us at your table and you feed our donkeys every day. And our kids and our ministries and our lives, Lord, you sustain us. And Lord, we are in a time of famine in our world, in our nation. Spiritually, we are in a drought. And we need your grain, your water, your, your wine, your, your body to be distributed far and wide. The people would no longer thirst. So Lord, empower us today. Help us to choose to follow and to give and to just worship with our lives. So, Lord, will you take and do a powerful work in us this week? We lift up the local community. We lift up all the ministries that are gathered. We pray that your, your church would be empowered, not just in this building, but all of them, Lord, to bring the people of Walla Walla the message of Jesus Christ, that they would know us by our love for one another and our love for them, that we'd be uncompromising in the truth and uncompromising in our love. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen.